Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. It's a Cubs and White Sox to Windy City podcast, but I do want to start with the Phoenix Suns. Thank you, Devin Booker, for going into the Staples Center and wanting to honor Kobe Bryant, playing like him, talking about him, and beating the L.A. Lakers and LeBron James, who we will miss or who I will miss in the NBA playoffs, but is now Lagon. La bust, la out of it, la we'll see you next year, la gonna take a ton of steroids this summer. I didn't say that. I don't think he will. LeBron's above board, right? We know this. Yeah, I got uh, la baby, la faker, la flopper, la bye bye, la. I guess the ankle wasn't healthy, and certainly Anthony Davis wasn't. But I still thought the Suns were gonna lose that series, and they didn't. So I really don't care who wins the NBA championship. I'm guessing it'll be the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know. But that series with Milwaukee is actually super interesting. Uh, But LeBron, hasta la bye-bye. That was absolutely glorious. Coming up on the Windy City Podcast today, Cubs are playing great baseball. We recorded before the San Francisco series started, uh, so they did lose game one as I'm doing this intro. But... Playing great baseball, phenomenal homestand. This is a very interesting road trip, and a ton of guys performing at unbelievable levels that we had never heard of before, or at least I hadn't heard of before. I mean, start of the season, we had Jake Marisnik and Matt Duffy. Now we've got Patrick Wisdom, Rafael Ortega, P.J. Higgins. This is incredible. We got guys like Ryan Tapera winning Pitcher of the Month awards or Reliever of the Month. Dan Winkler's nails, I don't know, very interesting time. And then with the White Sox, we got Lucas Giolito getting kicked out of games from the dugout. We've got Yermin Mercedes turning into Yermin Toyota, or maybe even Yermin Hugo. Uh, We've got Tony La Russa doing his normal act, and we've got a team that looks like clearly the best team in that division and maybe the best in baseball. Yeah, I said it. That's right. I'm a huge, huge buyer on the Chicago White Sox, which, funny little story here, as I sit down to do the podcast today, I'm trying to remember what's, oh, yeah, I had to change my password. You know, you get the notification that you 
change your password every whenever because someone's going to figure it out in the next 10 days and you absolutely have to change it, all that stuff. Never quite get it. But So I had to change the password, and then I forgot what my password was. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to be late for the podcast that I got to tape here, and how am I going to get into the computer? And then I realized, oh, my, I went with White Sox for my password. That's right, Sox fans. I've got White Sox as my password. And thank you, by the way, to NBC Sports Chicago for having me in for two pre- and post-games for Chuck Garfine. That was awesome. Highlight of career type of stuff. We'll touch on that with Courtney and Mo coming up here. And uh, the King's not on today. I don't think he'd uh, mind me saying that uh, the King, his wife passed away. And um, the King's wife was the greatest woman uh, that I've ever had the fortune to know. Uh, Jennifer Stevens, if you want to read something about her, you can find decisiontolive.com. She's been she was diagnosed with stage four cancer uh, she had in her lungs seven and a half years ago. And this woman did literally everything you possibly could to buy time and stay around and be such an inspiration to so many. Um, truly, 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 truly love Jennifer Stevens, and I'm going to miss her uh, incredibly. And the king, uh, maybe he'll talk about it next week. But um yeah, prayers up, and uh, Mama Jen, you were the uh, absolute best. There's also, uh, if you search there's, uh, around the Internet, you'll find an interview on WGNRadio.com with her and, and, and Steve Cochran from back in the day as well. All right, on a lighter note, we will start the Windy City podcast right now. Showtime. Here's the 2-2. Hammered left field on a line, got a chance, go! Rocket to left field, and things have opened up. He is 14th, and it is 6 1. In the air, and this should do it. Ortega wandering over under it. He's got it. Cubs win. They sweep the Padres. I feel like I should be throwing you guys curveballs, but I'm like legit concerned that you're not paying attention enough that you don't even know these guys. Cause I didn't even know these guys. I mean, do you know who Patrick wisdom is? I do now. Vito, who the hell is Patrick wisdom? Well, uh, I felt like doing the old Pat Hughes. Oh, Patrick, uh, you know, he's this guy that comes in and he hits, he hits Jordan will do this better than I could, but hits the ball really hard and nobody knew who he was as of a week ago but i will say this it's great that he was a former cardinal now he's doing damage with the cubs former cardinal draft pick i should say supplemental draft pick right i think before michael waka um, was a supplemental draft pick i think he's one of those guys that the cardinals get a competitive balance pick for every year that random supplemental pick because they're a low or a, a small market team a low budget team and it finally worked out for the Cubs. So that's who Patrick Wisdom is. He played 32 games for the Cardinals in 2018. That's a ridiculous amount of knowledge on the supplemental. He was a 2012 compensatory draft pick. Brian Beto. that's why you listen to the Windy City podcast, 52nd overall. Uh, and then he, they end up going out and getting Paul Goldschmidt, and he's kind of blocked, so they trade him to the Rangers for Drew Robinson, uh, outfielder. And then he gets blocked in Texas. The Cubs sign him as a minor league free agent. 
and it's the pandemic, so he never plays last year. And now he's still a minor league free agent with the Cubs this year, and he's 29, and all of a sudden Cubs are hurt, and they need him, and the guy comes up, and he hits four homers. World Series. This team's unbelievable. Patrick Wisdom. What are we, the, what are we a good organization again? This is amazing. We're, we're plucking off winners left and right here. Can I just say that, one, this run has been incredibly exciting, and I didn't see it coming, and I – We'll eat some crow for not believing in what was happening. But now it's clear that they're a lot better than I expected. I think all three of us expected. So this is great, too. No. It is exciting to see. I mean, you just said it, Carm. I don't know if all this is sustainable, but let's forget that for a second. Right now, we're seeing performances from the depths of the Cubs organization, which suggests that they are better than we thought. Like they've got a lot of guys that are coming up and contributing right now. Don't don't lump me and Beto into your negativity. I'll speak for <laughs> Beto right here. You didn't believe Beto and I jumped on this bandwagon like at least six days three, ago. At least I was gonna say three weeks. I I've been on here. I've been on here for a while. It was now. It, was a, it was eight days. So somewhere, somewhere you've been in for the basically the entire year. After I think we won two of three from Pittsburgh the worst team in the league. You were all in. You were like, this team is 2016 reincarnated. It took me a lot longer. Well, and speaking of uh, 2016, actually not 2016, but like back to Jordan's point of just guys coming up here, who the hell is Cole Stewart? You got Trevor Williams gets an appendectomy. Doesn't matter. Stewart, just so you guys know, I'm doing research over here. He was recruited to play. He's a first round pick. He was like the fourth pick in the draft. Fourth pick, 2013. With the Twins. Two, exactly. Another Beto impressive moment. Do you he know- went two picks, right? He would have been two picks. I'm, I'm ruining all your research by just giving you the facts without looking it up. I think he went two picks after Chris Bryant. Is that right? That's they right. Went That's right. Mark Appel, Chris yeah. Bryant, Jonathan Gray, and Nicole Stewart. Right then and there, two and four. So like the Bulls with Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. This worked out better for the Cubs, though, than the, the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Never mentioned those two. Actually, one of those two again. Cole Stewart is now you're at all this is it's spot on accurate. He's 26 years old, opted out last season. He's got type one diabetes, didn't want to pitch for the Orioles, signs with the Cubs, seven hundred thousand dollars he makes when he's in the majors. This I should give credit to the athletic for. And then he comes up here and like, yeah, yeah, yeah go just go play go, go shut down the Padres, and he does. I, I don't know if like I, I, I thought you know, everybody thought the Cubs were gonna get smoked by San Diego and they sweep the damn series and Cole Stewart's getting freaking victories. Best team in baseball. I mean, right now <laughs> the Cubs are one of the best teams in baseball and what's happening now. And I'm surprised I'm saying it, but now you wish you wish they'd add a starter that they traded away in the off season, right? Like at this point you need to add a starting pitcher because they're proving, I mean, we're into June, right? So they're probably not a fluke now because we're into June and they're in first place. So now you have to start thinking about the hell with the off season. You got to try to maximize what this is. I mean, this is a good team. They have the best run differential in the, in the division. They are playing better than the Cardinals in every way. I mean, the Brewers have two starters that I would take over any of the Cubs starters right now when they're healthy, but the point is, this Cubs team is good, and it's time to start operating as they're, if they're they're a real contender. They're eleven and one versus the Padres, the Mets, the Cardinals, and the Dodgers. I'll say that again: eleven and one 
Padres, Dodgers, Cardinals, Mets. And you keep on ruining the podcast, Burnfield, with your sustainable bullshit. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if that's sustainable <laughs> or not, but they're doing, they're actually, I mean, they're beating the best teams. That's got to count for something. They, yes. They came into the series, came into the series against San Diego as the team, the fifth best team in baseball record wise against teams above 500. So for all these people that were saying, oh, they're just beating the Pirates a bunch, which they were doing. They were beating, you know, some other garbage teams. They've done really well against the contenders. So yes. are they still as good as the Padres or Dodgers? Uh, probably not. But, I mean, we were excited about this group eight days ago going into the podcast and, like, the trajectory they were headed, not only for this year, but maybe the arrow wasn't pointing down as much as we thought. Since that podcast, they went eight and one eight in one right. during that stretch when we already proclaimed them back they, they they have the toughest part of their schedule potentially of the season coming up so we'll see where we're at but it's been a lot of fun and they, i mean to sweep san diego is a huge first step their run differential is way better than anyone else in the division and yes i agree with you i still think san diego and the dodgers perhaps the giants are the three best teams in the national league but the cubs are right there and typically when you have a 19 and eight month and now they're 21 and eight in the last 29 games, that's usually what wins you a division in baseball, right? Usually teams will play around 500 for a lot of the season, but they have one great stretch and that's what wins the division last year in a shortened season, they went 13 and three to begin the year that won the division. This stretch could win them the division. I know it sounds crazy to say, but it's hard for baseball teams to rack up the number of wins in a 30 game period that the Cubs have done. And so now you have to start looking at them as a team that is more likely to play in the postseason than not. So I got to throw some cold water on the whole situation here just to bring balance. Cause you guys now Burnfield's all of a sudden getting super optimistic and talking about like great stretches. Like this is 2016 when they started out 26 and five and won the division before the end of end of May, which was beautiful. And then they went on to win the world series and Chris Bryant won the MVP, which he very, he very well may do again. So he had a home run of a Chris Paddock uh, to right field. And the dude in the front row with his tried to catch it in his cup and spilled beer all over Will Myers. Y'all see that? Yes. That, 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 yes. That, that was that was lovely. But so they take Paddock out of the game, and then Cubs in-game marketing decides for the zillionth time, you know what? Now's a great time for the YMCA. Cue the village people. Oh, I knew this is where you were going. It's 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 so bad. It's you're listen to me. Listen to me. This is not a cruise ship. You are everybody in the world is trying to attach to younger people. You want you want 13. Hold to on. 20, Can yeah. I just say this? You call me the negative guy. They're 21 and eight in their last 29. And you want to bitch and complain about how they played YMCA on Monday yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the negative guy now? Yeah, 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 I do. Because it's a it's a huge freaking problem. You, en enough with the stupid ass YMCA for Betty White, who's at the game and is 88 and can't find her seat. You want young people like well, on, the, on the South. I just side like the fact that you're like, oh, like, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah let's connect to young people. But when I evaluate pitchers, I'm going to use wins and losses. But, yeah, let's connect to, to younger people. Well, talking out of both sides of your mouth here. No, 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 no. See, that, that's yeah. where you're wrong. Like, I, I, 
when when they put on the screen on Marquee Sports Network or NBC Sports Chicago or on Twitter, when 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 they sit there and say his WRC plus is 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 one ninety four. No one knows what the hell you're talking about. There are three people who know Jason Benetti, Len Casper, and Brian Beto. I don't even think Burnfield knows what the hell's going on when they place that stuff on there. No one gives a shit. The standard baseball fan still wants wins, losses, ERA, batting average, even OPS. I'm telling you, I'm going to put out a poll when we put out this podcast. Do you, what stat means more to you or what stat do you actually want to see more BA or OPS? Jordan, what does WRC plus mean? Uh, Weighted runs created plus. What the fuck does that mean? So it's it normalizes the scale. Sorry, I'm just jumping in because yes. your point is so asinine about wanting to do it's, bat- batting. It's average, not, so. the, the problem nobody knows what that means. See, but but I think nobody knew what batting average was either. I'm sure in 1876 when they they posted it in the newspaper. See, what we're having right now is the existential crisis of baseball is literally happening with the with the three of us because I think that people. I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything about anyone's age, but I think people that are 45 and up are having a lot of, a lot more trouble adjusting to the newer stats, the young kids, the younger kids, like the 18 to 25 bracket, I think are having an easier time with it because they're coming up with this stuff. But I like, I have this conversation with my dad all the time. I mean, the problem baseball is having right now is that we are not normalizing these stats. I agree with you, Carm. Most people have no idea what WRC plus is, but it's incumbent upon the media to explain these statistics and tell you what a good one is versus a bad one so that you can have a reference point to know what the hell is going on. I will say that I do think that Marquee is doing a pretty good job of now using OPS is the main statistic and explaining like Boog for the things that people can criticize Boog for. One thing that I do think he's doing a really good job with is explaining to people when they use these new stats, this is what the stat is. This is what a good one is. So this is where Wilson Contreras is, for example. And so you can give context to the statistic, but I do think we're having this problem in baseball. And it's one of the reasons why, Baseball is going through this existential crisis. We just had one on the podcast. It was beautiful. I, I, I don't want to go to class when I when I turn on the baseball game. That's just me. And I, I get right. it. Like, like, But it's it, not it, just you. I think a lot of people are in the same boat. They right. don't want to learn new. They don't wah, want to Cry me a river. Listen. What does Billy Bean say or Brad Pitt playing right. Billy Bean? Adapt or die. Right. Adapt right. or die. Right. 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 Agreed. I want I want Jed Hoyer and Jason McLeod and the ghost of Theo Epstein. Good to see him at the ballpark today for and, and Bushiami's doing phenomenal work with ALS and raising money and, and creating awareness and all that stuff. Also, uh, Theo comes in wearing a Pearl Jam hat and a Saints jersey. Is that what that was? Can we looked- get a Cubs thing? Come on. You just left. You don't have to look neutral. We all know that you want the Cubs over the Padres. Take I'm, it easy. Does he? Are you sure he does? He's not rooting. How is he rooting for San Diego? He's got, well, I mean, I guess he started out there. So maybe he wants a little not, San Diego I'm, love. I'm not saying he's rooting for San Diego. I'm just saying that if, if they win without Theo, he'll never say it. Never. Yeah, but he can always say, I built the team. It's my yep. team. He, he, you're just right. like he built this team. What? When did the Red Sox win? 2013? Same thing, right? He had just left. Yeah. 
Sure, he got, he got some credit Thanks, for that. Everyone gives Theo credit for that team. Yeah, so that's just another that's another feather in Theo's cap. I think he's rooting for it. Uh, all right, maybe maybe he is because he's rational, Theo. But there's definitely some part of him that would be bummed that he didn't hang around and be a part of it in his last year. <laughs> there's there's at least ten percent of Theo that would rather them not win and like to to cement that. Thank you, I made the right decision that I left when I did. Yeah. I don't. But that's okay. No, but he just this this team goes on a good streak, and we go from blowing up the team in a rebuild to whether Theo will take credit for them winning the World Series. And literally. Two weeks, we have made that leap on when this podcast. I, I, yeah. feel good. I feel very good about it. By the way, uh, off of Theo, another <laughs> Theo fine. Ryan Tapera, your, your NL reliever of the month, 14 and two-thirds. These are the stats that I understand. One earned run, didn't walk anybody, struck out 19. OPS, don't really understand it. 145, I get it. Nobody's, nobody's getting on base. Nobody's sitting for power. Nobody's doing anything against Ryan Tapera. I'm not that big of a baseball new stat idiot. Uh, so I do get that one. Here's where Beto comes in. Uh, he had an absurd ground ball rate of 62.1%, which I believe that means that uh, batters are hitting the ball on the ground six out of every 10 times to come to the plate. And an elite 85.3% average exit velocity. Uh, what is that? How elite is 85% on your exit velocity, Beto? Or do you not see? I think the average get, is like 88 or 89. Okay, so I, I mean, what I do you don't mean? Know. Well, get it. I think the gonna... average is 88 or 89. So that's, only, that's, that's good. Only, it's really elite. That's only 3% better. Wouldn't it like an, like an elite? Okay, that's 4%. So tell me the difference between a 95 mile an hour fastball and a 91 mile an hour fastball. Isn't there a big difference? Yeah, but that's off of that's somebody throwing it. Maybe you can think of some response in the next five seconds. That's going to sound incredible. I, but I, 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 think thought, I, gave, I thought I gave you a great response. That's off. That's somebody throwing it versus off the bat. I would think there'd be a bunch bigger discrepancy there. I would think that there would be. It's still the same window of miles per hour. It's like it's 80, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't know. But either way, he's been good. The ground ball rate's ridiculous. I, you understand earn runs, but did you know what, if you imagine when earned runs became a statistic, people were probably like, Oh my gosh, what's an earned run. Like what's the matter. If a run scores, it's a run against them. It's not an earned run. There's probably like a generation, two generations we, before you that were yelling the same we, way as we are about whip we, we or, or fit or X fit. Same thing. Can we get Morris Rosen on for, and, and listen back to his podcast in 1942 and see what Morris was saying about the, about ERA back then? You're I want to probably... know what Ronald Reagan's thoughts as the Cubs broadcaster, what he thought about an earned run or what an RBI was. He was probably furious when those statistics came out. Yeah, I think he was. Let me get Bull Durham in here uh, as uh, we talk about the great Ryan Tapera who's been phenomenal and God bless him. By the way, just a reminder, former MVP a, candidate, Ryan Tapera, right? right uh, accidentally. Yeah. Wasn't that, that the, the story last year that MVP vote getter got a vote? Him? Yeah. Yeah. Can, I forgot about that. Congratulations again for that vote, Ryan Tapera. He, the Cubs uh, did not, they non-tendered him, by the way, he, this is uh, this is baseball luck, which you need in a miracle baseball season. That dude should be pitching for somebody else. Uh, but after he was a free agent, came back to Chicago, and he also had an ERA of 5.4 in April, so he wasn't exactly doing great. But then he, they get with him, and they start working with his breathing. Do you guys see this? Here's Tommy Hadovy's quote on Ryan Tapera. Quote, so much of biomechanics and pitching is aligning everything. We noticed that early in his delivery, 
It was what I call the rib cage getting disengaged from the torso. He started getting very open with his upper body. Part of recentering all that is breathing and refocusing your core and everything falls in line. What is this breathing out of your eyelids and wearing garters? I feel like we're in the middle of Bull Durham with Ryan Tapera. I should have sent this to you both. <laughs> there was an interview that Theo did with Bill Simmons on his Ringer podcast. And if you have not listened to it, you should definitely listen because Theo was talking about some of these problems in baseball that he's researching and how they fix it. And I bring it up because Theo was saying, basically Theo's contention after looking at all this data is that the technology available to pitchers and pitching coaches is so good that it has made pitchers too good. And that's why when you look at old school CARM, as you would say, batting averages of the players in baseball right now and why they all suck and why old school statistics are all bad for every hitter basically in the league, except Nick Castellanos, which he was still in the Cubs. He's saying it's because this technology has allowed them to figure out things like someone's breathing was slightly off in their delivery and therefore they're maximizing pitchers to a degree that has made offense suck in baseball at historic levels. So like you telling me this is interesting because it's just a further example of how all these technological advancements have made pitching like unsustainably great or maybe sustainably great, but the offense is so bad that they're talking about changing the sport fundamentally because the pitching is too good. So like, here's your example. They found that Ryan Tapera's breathing was different in his mechanics and now they fixed it and he's great. They told him to take deep breaths and settle in and let your rib cage go down and breathe out of his eyelids and, and, and get the garters going and bang Susan Sarandon at night and you're gonna be good. And, and that this is amazing. And, and the guy, Cole Stewart, who I mentioned earlier, he, he comes over. He's like, he's like, this is the smartest organization I've been in. These are, these are actually being serious for one second. Or it's, it's a credit to the Cubs. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. It really is. I, I wish they had this for broadcasters, by the way. Like, can, like somebody came up to you and Carm, you're breathing out of the wrong eyelid. Try this up. Your articulation, your pace. Your, you know, your humor, it's just going to get better if you switch the eyelids that you're breathing out of. So I love the Bull Durham reference. I was actually expecting you go to the ground ball quote from Bull Durham because he's got the elite ground ball rate where Crash is like, like, don't strike everybody out. They're, they're boring and they're fascist. Throw some ground balls. They're more democratic. I thought that's where you're going with that, which is solid. But I like the island thing. It worked. I, I mean, I, I there was there was many angles there, but I'm I'm reading this. I'm like, this is this is this is incredible. The Cubs figured out that this dude needs to breathe differently. He actually listens, and it works. And he's the NL pitcher of the month, and nobody can touch him because he's breathing better. And their really- their bullpen must be breathing perfectly because the Cubs bullpen is amazing right now. I'm literally at a point where when they have a one run lead. I feel like they've won the game, which I've never felt probably in my life as a Cubs fan, including in 2016, because right now this bullpen is out of its mind good. So, and that's where we end up on every single one of these podcasts right now, because it, it is the life that the Cubs are in. What the hell is going on in the offices of Jed Hoyer right now? You obviously are not going to punt on the team you're sitting here with a 
32 and 23, nine game over. You're one game up on St. Louis. You're plus 38, the run differential that you mentioned, Jordan. And can I just say, too, did you guys watch Craig Kimbrell last night in the ninth inning? Yeah, it was incredible. Like they blew the, they blew the door off the Padres in the other two games in the series, but you almost felt as secure last night, even in a one run game, because he was so unhittable. That at bat to to Myers was incredible. He's throwing ninety nine on the black and then throwing sliders that are literally breaking across the entire plate at the fifty eighth foot. I mean, these pitches were insane. I'm watching this going like he's. He's the nastiest pitcher in the league in this moment. I don't know what what they really are. Maybe this will all come crashing back to earth. But right now, this bullpen is as good as it gets. Jordan, nobody knows what they are. Like, literally no one. Theo doesn't know in his, wherever he watches the Cubs, Jed doesn't. No one knows. But, like, we got to be logical, right? And to your point on Craig Kimbrough, 39 strikeouts in 23 innings. Now he's walked eight dudes. And how about the, the body language from the guy? I mean, yes. he's just like, you all suck. I'm the man and, and nothing, you know, you, to, wh- this is why you feel confident when they're out there. Cause he's just, he's embodying all of it. Let's say right now situation. So the Atlanta Braves call Jed Hoyer tonight and say, our bullpen's a mess. We're a disaster. We're around 500, but we still like our team. We want to make a run. The East is terrible. They offer up. Again, I don't know their farm system. I know they have a couple of good young pieces at the major league level, but let's just say, sake of argument, two top 100 prospects, not elite level, but two top 100 and some lower level guys for Craig Kimbrell tonight. Are you doing the trade? Yes or no? I mean, a week ago. That's the only context I'm giving you. Yeah. I mean, a week ago, I probably would have said yes. Right now, I don't know because objectively, you probably are better off for the future if you were to make a trade like that. However, the caveat is, what does Theo always say when he started with the Cubs, right? Every season is sacred. So if that's true, this season might be one that if you add to the team, you win, and then you just let the disaster happen after the season, right? Like, the the pending disaster might occur, but if you could make the argument that they could win by adding to this team right now, which you obviously can, given that they're in first place and it's June, then isn't the smarter thing to see how far you can take this. And maybe you get lucky and you end up winning the National League. And then does it matter if the season afterwards, you know, you lose a bunch of guys? I'm not saying that they're going to the World Series. My point is, if you have a chance to win the division, isn't it hard to then give up on a player that you might get a couple of prospects for, but you but you'd mortgage the chance to be well, in the playoffs again. Well, here's, here's a reminder. Theo was lying. You, you, you don't, n- every baseball scene is not sacred when you got Dale Swain managing and you got bozos all over the field. So it was, it I wasn't still Swain. It was not Dale all Swain <laughs> hanging out at Southport lanes, just getting hammered every Tuesday night. Yeah, that, that was not oh, a sacred that. baseball season. That was a bullshit baseball season, that, but they weren't in first place. Uh, look, Where's Donnie Murphy? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Beetle, give me another rando cub from that time period. Uh, where's Where's David DeJesus? I'm going to go with Arizmendi Alcantara, just because we have another Alcantara on the roster right now. That's I, true. I, 
I loved, I thought Aaron's Mendy was the answer. I thought that guy was legit. <laughs> Didn't quite work out that way. Your scouting hat missed on that one. <laughs> like, I mean, I, in, to answer your question, am I doing that deal? If I loved one of the guys that they were offering, I probably would do the deal. Um, and that's, that's just terrible, which is why, look, Jed's got to be thrilled that, okay, now we're at 60% capacity. We got 24,000. The money's starting to come back in. The bottom line's got to feel a little bit better. We'll probably be at hundred percent capacity after the all-star break, let's call it. So, um, Hey Tom, how's that bottom line looking? Cause I want to sign both Javi Baez and Chris Bryant and, and, and Anthony Rizzo. I'd like to be able to sign contract. We're doing the Brizzo contract. We're not letting that die. Same day. There we go. I want to do a Brizzo deal, and I also want to work with Javi. Um, So, you know, and then he's got to get he's got to get answers from Tom. And then, by the way, if 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 Tom gives him the we're not going to have that money, nothing has changed. uh, He should. You can't call out Tom Ricketts, but he should say very clearly, look, every team has financial concerns. We're no different. Say it like that. Um, you know? But the one, the one thing I would say for Tom is Tom seems to be willing to invest when he feels it, it makes sense to invest. Like I was saying in the last offseason that it seemed to me that Tom didn't think it was he was willing to invest because it didn't look like it made sense, right? Chris Bryant was coming off an injured season where he was terrible. Javi Baez was coming off a terrible season. Which of their players would you have said, I want to throw $200 million at? Zero. But right now, in June, they're in first place. Chris Bryant looks like an MVP again. Javi Baez had a Javi kind of day today, right? Struck out three times and hit a bomb in the, in the, late in the game to put the game away, there's much more of an argument to be made that it wouldn't be fiscally irresponsible to sign a couple of these guys than the argument could have even possibly been if we were having this discussion in January, right? Like now it makes some sense to think we could add to this team and maybe extend the window. You're listening to you. It's it's making me realistically realize because they're not going to be able to sign all of them so you need to have a st louis cardinals level albert Pujols decision and maybe it is or and maybe it is a, a like or a boston red sox were trading nomar to the cubs and i don't exactly remember who they got back in that deal but everybody hated it at the time and it worked out incredibly well for them they won the damn world series so you i think you i think Orlando you, cabrera sorry i was on mute just yeah, wanted was, to solve yeah. that so look, may, maybe, and it would be a huge blow in the clubhouse and the media would hate and the fans would hate and all that. But like, if you know that you're not signing bias or you know that you're not signing Bryant, I think you still make the deal and try to win with what everything else that's around. That's what I, I think that's the, the position that they're in. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see if they have the balls to do that. If this keeps going the way it's going. This almost guys feels to me like major league. Like this is, the team even saying yes the team thought off time ricketts yes right i think that they're disrobing they're disrobing tom ricketts on a board every single day in that clubhouse because people like us at the bottom of the totem pole but people at the top of the totem pole in the media for a while have been saying they're going to blow up the team the window's over 
This team can't win anymore. And it's almost like these guys have gone out and given the big finger to everyone right. to their credit. And they're like, hey, we're still good players. Screw all of you. We're going to win and we're going to screw this whole thing up. And I kind of love it. I absolutely love it. It's just, it's a great kind of story that when you write these guys off, they, they've risen to the occasion and they've become a team that's way better than any of us thought. Well, it's also contractors. Also, these guys are trying to get paid. It's not just like cub oh, together. Yeah, it's, it's pay yeah. me. Yes. But also uh, from the 2012 Cubs, I just looked up uh, some of the randos from the 2012 Cubs. You know who had the highest war on the 2012 Cubs? It's got to be Darwin. Ryan Loved him. Wow. Loved him. It's a gold glover, wasn't he? Yes, he Thank was. You. Dave Sapelt was also on that team. Dave Sapelt came over with Travis Wood, our guy, in the Sean Marshall trade. That's right. So I think Ryan Sweeney was on that. We just named half the cast of the Marquee Network right there with Sean Marshall and Ryan Sweeney. Chris Bryant, as we wrap up here, y'all, 50 games this season versus 2016. 2016, slash line 280, 366, 510. 2021, 324. That's 44 points better. 406, that's 50 points better. 611, that's 101 points better. 12 homers both times, 16 and 21. And Beto, WRC plus, 134 in 2016, 175 in 2021. What do we need about the WRC in there that we didn't get in the first couple of stats? It's basically what it is to, to, to dumb it down, or not dumb it down, but just make it more digestible, is that the average player is 100. So that's like the average scale. So the runs above that, so if he's at 134, whatever you said, he's 34, He's produced 34 more runs offensively than the average or I guess the 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 replacement level player, makes okay. sense. So so this year he's seventy five percent better than the average player, basically one seventy five. Is that right? Offensively, yes. Uh, that's incredible. Yeah, I love that stat. That's a great stat. I'm all in on WRC. <laughs> <laughs> it took thirty seconds. Now he's in. I, I got it. The, the, I wish the, I could convince my wife that easily on things. I mean, this is unbelievable. I mean, that's pretty basic. 100 is average. He's at 175. It's it's that's it's easy math. I'm in WRC plus. Got See, it. but this is again my point. Like, if all we did was just explain things easily like that, nobody would have a problem with these stats. Well, here we got four minutes to play in the podcast, and I, I did not explain my point as seamlessly get rid of the ymca <laughs> chant stop playing it it's lame i'm with you yeah i, I mean i wanted to get that out there i wasn't like arguing against that i just was like i was confused by the sentiment knowing that you're an old school stats guy and wanted to get rid of the old school songs that's but true i'm with you what Although, did you think about jump when they got rid of that from Van Halen. Oh, I like that. See, I, I like they bring that back. That, that, like that's that, part of Cub history. I don't want them to get rid of Go Cubs Go. You want to play jump when they come on the field every now and then, get nostalgic 1984. I don't hate it. I don't yeah. want it every day, but I, I don't hate it. But the YMCA, you want to bust that out five times a year when Ann, Ann uh, Esther Evelyn is, is in the park and you, you want to give it to her, that's great. <laughs> But every single day for the rest of us, it's just embarrassing. It, I'm, I'm fair. I agree. 
Yeah, I have no, I have no problem with. It's the first time we've we've fully agreed on this podcast in the last forty minutes was banning the YMCA. I'm so just imagining another Disney. Pat Hughes CD coming out where he says, "Ronnie, oh. tell us about the village people." They're playing the YMCA. This is great. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, Cubs are good. This was a fun pod. We love you. Anybody who comments uh, or likes or says anything nice about this podcast, we have goods for you. I know that no one's listening at this point based on the numbers, but I don't believe the numbers. Somebody is out there. You write at either Beto, Burnfield, or myself on Twitter. I've, I will I will come to your house with a with a T-shirt, hoodie, and or sticker, something to give you love. So thank that you. Threat. Sidewalk show. It's always been my dream. All right. Gentlemen, World keep, Series, World Series. Let, let's keep it rolling. Beto, any final, any moments that you want to get out there that we didn't get out there that I could use to end the podcast? No, I don't have anything witty right now. Just know that this team's not going to lose a game the rest of the season. That's what it. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Four game sweep in the Bay Area this weekend. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be the biggest win since Game Four of the 2016 LDS. I'm here for it. Are you good? Are you good? Yes or no? Up and down if you're good, side to side, no. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> I love you. I love you. You're going to get a raise. Jake crushes this ball. Right field. That is a solo shot. Look out, Goose. 2 nothing. You keep the ball down, and he's going to hit it a long way. Mize did, and so did Jake. So I think we need to start at the top, team. There is nothing more important going on with the White Sox than yours truly doing pre and post for Chuck Garfine on Sunday and Monday of Memorial Day weekend. I think that I sprung the team to new heights. I think I opened up things for Scott Petsednik in a way that he never saw baseball quite the way that I brought it to the table, and I bonded with Ozzy. So he actually understands the game even better. I've done everything I can forcing my way into NBC Sports Chicago, and I really do think that things are headed in the right direction. I mean, why hasn't Chuck just quit already and realized his place and that he just simply cannot compare? I mean, why hasn't that happened yet? I'm confused. I'm confused. I completely agree. Uh, you know, and I talked to Chuck, actually, and I, and I said, look, I know you realize that you should step down, but – that would be too jarring at this point. So at the bare minimum, you should just finish out the season and then I'll be the guy in 2022. I think it needs to happen. And it's, I mean, listen, if you can bond with Ozzy, you have my respect immediately. So you're already good in my book. I mean, come on. Mo, when you were watching White Sox pre and post, did you feel more comfortable? It, it was uh, must-see TV, Carmen. It was, it was impressive. Thank, thank you filled in like a champ. Thank you. Uh, Chuck is the new Wally Pip. He should, he should not be, uh, you know, doing it anymore. I like Chuck, great guy. Put him in the stadium as like a sideline reporter, and uh, you're in the studio with with all the the former Sox greats. Yeah, I mean, listen, I didn't plan on starting the podcast here. I don't even know how we got here. You guys forced me to do this, but I, I do think that uh, you know, this is a very important conversation. I, in all seriousness, though, that was an unbelievable call to get on Saturday. Like I, I think literally uh, the whole city was on vacation for memorial day and they asked carmen to do it and i said absolutely and they then they said get on out of here buddy we got the a team coming back 
But if I ever do get to be back in there again, which fingers crossed will happen, uh, it, that was uh, highlight of career stuff. And Pods was super nice. Ozzy the same. Maybe feel as comfortable as possible. Ozzy gave me the hug on the way out, Courtney. He's, that makes me very happy. He gives the best hugs, doesn't he? I mean, you just really feel the love. Really I, feel. I think he was a little weirded out by how close I went in for it. I, I and just didn't want to let go. But you know, I said there was it an insult towards me? It probably was. No, he 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 was a he's a huge Courtney fan. Ozzy does have good taste. He does have good taste. See, there you go. All right, let's talk on the field. Win last night. Lance Lynn pitching well again. I should just read Courtney's tweets here, Mo. She's she was absolutely in love with Lance Lynn. Let's let's pull up a C Finnegan. What's not to love? Well, right. What's it? Absolutely. There's there's no doubt. But like, there's just some people that put it into words uh, to the level that uh, that Courtney does. That I think just you know we should read back. I really like Lance Lynn. He's the dude you want pitching in a big game in the playoffs and what we were missing last year, hashtag White Sox. So calling out the Sox for not making a deal last year at this time, Dane Dunning could have been a Ranger then. Maybe he pitches game three. Maybe they win that game. Maybe they win the World Series. Maybe Rick Renteria is still the manager. Maybe Tony La Russa never got here. Were you going that deep with that thought, Courtney? That's exactly where I was going. And also, I just kind of want to point out because I constantly point this out too. Lance is the kind of dude you want to sit at the bar with too, man. I mean, he's just, he's just a dude, you know, I mean, he's just large and in charge, but in in all honesty, I, I really, he's the guy we were missing last year. He's that veteran presence. He just gets it. He eats innings in more ways than one. The guy's just good. And he's someone, and in all honesty, he's my game one pitcher right now in the playoffs. The playoffs started today. Whoa. Um, I'm throwing him out there. I am. I am. Big comment from Courtney. I asked Ozimo during the fill-in, like, hey, actually I asked both of those guys, game one starter, who are you going with? And Ozzy said that you you take whoever is hottest at the time, basically. And Pods gave the uh, we'll go with Giolito. And Courtney's saying Lance Lynn. These are good options to have, by the way. Where are you going? You know, I, I saw that with, with Lance Lynn, and I understand Courtney, but Gio's my guy. Um, you can't go wrong with Gio or Lance Lynn, and if Rodon is still throwing the ball like he's been throwing, um, you know, he would be a, a close one as well. But but I'm giving the ball to Gio. I, I love Gio. He's, he showed in the playoffs game one that, that he can handle it. And, uh, you know, either way, whether it's Lynn or, or Gio in game one, I like our chances. And then the other one going in game two, that, that's a pretty – solid one two and then you know like i said if if rodan is still throwing the way he's throwing although i'm actually curious courtney we haven't mentioned your boy dylan cease where does he fit into your playoff mix if it started today and that's a great question i do want to hit on your geo comment i love geo i love him as a human i love him as a pitcher you know he makes me a little nervous this year i hate to be that person but i'm gonna be that person i need to see a little bit more of some strings of consistent starts from him I do want to touch on your Dylan question because he has been disappointing me as of late. He needs to, he needs to figure it out. Talk about a guy that needs to put together some consistent string of, of good outings. He's been starting to throw a lot of pitches again, starting to walk a lot of guys. I just don't know if he can consistently put it together. I'll be honest. I've been a little disappointed and I can, I can just be honest with you guys about that. (laughs) I love, I love that. It's like a huge deal 
for Courtney to be honest about how she deeply, darkly feels about Dylan Cease, who a second ago, maybe last podcast, or at least definitely two podcasts ago, it was a Dylan Cease, this is the man, respectathon. And now, as we see Cease scuffle against the Indians in three and a third, giving up six, before that, he gave up five runs to the Yankees in four and a third, and so his two of his last three starts have been bad. The truth's coming out here, Mo. I'm I'm hard to please, Mark. I I have a very I run a tight ship over here, and I'm seeing things I don't like. And the walks and the throwing of a lot of pitches that's that's a hot button. And he's not going to last if he if he plans on doing that. It's just he needs to he needs to show that he can be that guy maybe every fifth day or every fourth day, and he has not shown that consistently. That's a problem. Uh- I got to be honest here, Mo. I am feeling the loss of the king right now because we've had a couple of comments that he definitely would have jumped on here. I run a tight ship over here is is, is one that he would have been all over for sure. And then- I'm, I'm still picking up my, my jaw with, with the turnabout from Courtney on Dylan Cease, which I understand. I mean, the last, as you guys have talked about there, the last, actually two out of three, uh, he hasn't been as good. He did pitch pretty well against Baltimore, but it is Baltimore. The other three we talked about have set the bar really high. Hopefully Dylan can, you know, get back to where he was at. I'm not ready to write him off, Courtney. I don't, I'm, I'm not saying you are. I think you're not. But I um, certainly want to see the the same results that we had. But as we've seen before, right, Major League Baseball is tough, and, and hitters make adjustments, and Dylan's going to have to figure it out. I'm, I'm a little tired of using the excuse because I defend Dylan Cease all day long. You know, White Sox fans wanted him traded in the offseason over Dane Dunning, and I defended him on that. But, you know, I, I'm tired of him making me out to be a fool. I don't do well with that, Mo. So he's got, <laughs> he's got to put it together. We have to remember where we got him from. So he's, he's somewhat flawed to begin with. So it takes a lot to overcome you know, the beginnings of, of which team he came from. I think that that actually is an interesting part of the Dylan Cease equation and Eloy for that matter because Theo Epstein's made plenty of mistakes in his career Carl Crawford Jason Hayward I just have a hard time believing that they would have traded Babe Ruth in left field and Cy Young on the mound for Jose Quintana so I'm going to give you credit you said that uh, I saw you at the Sox game you came down to talk to us from your perch at, in the, you know, in the radio booth there. And you actually said that exact comment and I loved you for the comment. It was a great take. Um, I still hope you're wrong. Yeah. And, and maybe I will be wrong and maybe Theo will be wrong, but it's like, really, you're that dumb. Uh, Cause you, you, you had to know that Jose Quintana was not going to morph into a number one. And it was more likely that he was going to fall into a number four, which was which is what he was with the Cubs. Evaluating your players correctly is the biggest skill that you need for a successful organization. Now, the Cubs clearly waited way too long on Kyle Schwarber and perhaps even Ian Happ. And I guess, considering where they're at, and this is not a Cubs podcast, that was that was or this is not the Cubs part of the podcast. But maybe they waited too long on Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Rizzo as well. If Dylan Cease went on to be what a lot of people think he can be, it just makes the Cubs look incredibly bad. And to this point, they're still kind of hanging in there. The trade was a bad trade, but it wasn't the worst trade ever, which it does have the potential to turn into. King is not here. I'm I'm not going to try to be King, but I'm going to try to take his approach in terms of positive. If you you had said at the beginning of the year that Dylan Cease would be 
three and two with a 3.79 earned run average, you'd probably be pretty happy, right? Good call. Good call. I agree. I agree. Now, they, the Cubs did always say that Eloy was kind of a butcher in the outfield. That was sort of known, wasn't it? That was a known fact. Yep. That plays into the willingness to deal him as well. At guaranteed rate field, he's falling into nets and banging into walls. At Wrigley, he would have been getting concussions against the Ivy. From a Cubs perspective, I still hate that deal, but I, I, I get somewhat why they were perhaps willing to give away those two pieces along with the two others they gave away. All right, I want to I move back to a question. I did the rush yesterday uh, with Ryan McGuffey over at NBC Sports Chicago, and they had one White Sox question. Courtney, I thought of you. The question was, is, was Jose Abreu, is Jose Abreu underrated nationally? And they compared him to Mookie Betts and Jose Altuve, different MVP guys. I answered, yes, he is, but that's because the White Sox have not won anything while he's been there, except for last year when they got in the playoffs as, you know, a seven seed. You got to win ball games for him not to be that. And he does have an MVP as well. So he has, there is some level of respect going around for the guy. I, I have said this a lot. Not only is he underrated nationally, he's underrated in Chicago. He doesn't even come close to getting enough credit from Sox fans, even diehard Sox fans. We talked I'm about. I'm guilty. Yes, there you go. I'm See, guilty. thank you. I appreciate your transparency. Um, we were talking about this in our little group chat. You know, there are Sox fans that dissect his numbers and try to find flaws with him. That drives me nuts. I will defend Abreu all day long because he brings those, you know, and whatever the word is, tangibles, intangibles, whatever you want to call it, that you can't dissect. And that is how you separate the really good players from the average players. He is a extremely good player. And he doesn't nearly get enough credit nationally. He doesn't even get credit in Chicago. He is will he will go down far and away one of the most underrated athletes in all of Chicago history by far. Mo, would you like to apologize to Abreu, his family, and White Sox fans everywhere right now for not giving him the love that he deserves? I I, I do love him. I just I don't think I've always appreciated him and watching him. I mean, this year especially his his he's I feel like he's become a, a better all around ball player. His defense, he's always worked hard. Uh, it just seems like he's always up in a situation to deliver. And I think last year we got a little spoiled where seemingly every situation he delivered at the start of the year, he got off to a bit of a slow start. Um, he's certainly been mashing since. Um, but I think Courtney, Courtney said, I kind of think of him sort of like Canerco, but Canerco got more love, right? But similar in that they just go out there and produce and they're not the flashiest of players. Um, they just go out there every day. They want to play every day, hurt, not hurt. They're out there giving it their all and, and he already reminds me of, of Canerco just not getting as much love and and I and I fully agree with that but I do just want to throw in one thing his defense has improved the last few years actually I mean if you recall Mo there was talk about Abreu winning a gold glove as of last year so it's improved the last few seasons and he's done a great job of that I mean yeah when he first started he's a little bit of a butcher out there but he's worked on it and he's actually a pretty damn good first baseman now he had a great 3-6 double play against the Indians. That was impressive. Not an easy hop. Good throw down. Coming back at him. And he's made a bunch of plays. He's, his hands have gotten a whole lot better, which is not easy to do as somebody who's always had stone hands. And, Mo, you can vouch for me uh, at second base, which was never pretty in uh, great softball recreational life. It is interesting, and to Courtney's point, that he's gotten better 
defensively as he's gotten older, right? Usually those type of things, the hands you talked about probably don't get better, but it just shows you how much he's worked at it to become that type of ball player MVP last year. And certainly, you know, carrying a lot of load this year. And I think your hands get better. If we can go nerd baseball for a second here, when your feet get better. So if you, you can learn how to move and position yourself and then it makes it just a little bit easier. So things come together more seamlessly. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And I, I do just want to, like I said to you, I could talk about a all day long. I, he really does not get the love. He does. That does make sense, Mark. But from what I know about Abreu, he's the first guy in the clubhouse every day, the last guy in the clubhouse every night. That means something still. You know, that does. And you can't measure a guy's heart by analytics or save a metrics, however the hell you want to, you know, look at it. He's got that. And he, he deserves a lot more credit than what he gets. He's got the locker. Mark, 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 if King were here, he would just say 34 and 22. First Amen. place in the division. That, that's, Second best record in the American League. That's true. Hashtag the King. We get him involved in the podcast even when he's not here. Abreu's locker is in the far left corner of the clubhouse just to paint a slight picture and humble brag with my prodigious media career of just uh, hanging with Jose in the clubhouse. And so Yohan Moncada is right by him. The TV's right there. And he's just, he's just kind of a fixture on his stool over there, like working on his – He's, you know, fiddling with his bats and doing his raps and just hanging out and just having conversation and kind of a, you know, also a quiet dude at the same time. You don't really notice him, but then you just look over and he's just always there. Can we go from Abreu to your mean Mercedes? Courtney, you uh, have been dialing up some concerns on your mean. That was another one of your texts. Can we talk about your mean Mercedes? We might have to change the name from your mean Mercedes to your mean Toyota. Or, or you're, I mean, we're getting, we might be at a Toyota level right now. He's still around 300, but we're, we're cascading towards a Yugo here. Uh, Y squared, you're mean. Uh, Mo, actually, can you, Mr., uh, maybe Courtney, maybe you have these exact same talents here, but I'm looking for a batting coach as to why exactly your mean is scuffling now as he wasn't early in the year. To me, watching last night specifically, I mean, he's, having huge reactions to pitches that he's missing following off. He's yelling at himself in the box. He just did not seem in a good place at all. I, I'm sure some of it is mental, right? He, he got off to such a hot start and, and started struggling, and I think the pitchers have changed a bit how they're working him. Uh, I'm not the, the seam head or the stat head that, that others are, but you know I, I know he's having problems hitting fastballs, and you know they're dialing up the heat on him, and he hasn't been able to adjust to it. And I, and I think I said this maybe the first or second podcast we've ever did, we ever did. Um, you know, I was, I've been waiting for a Yermin Mercedes slump and, you know, it happens to every player. It's really going to make a huge difference of how and when he gets out of it. There's a reason I still stand by this, that he is a 28 year old rookie. So it is going to be interesting how he comes out of it. Mark, I agree with you. His body language has been very telling. He's not handling it well. So this is going to be telling of how he gets out of it, if he gets out of it. Still leads the team in batting average for the record at 299. However, when you peek at the game log, it's getting ugly. He's uh, 0 for 7 this month, and he's 0 for – what is he 0 for? Does anybody – 0 for 22. So he's gone from a high this year of – let's see, what, what was your means – well, the fact that he's gone over 22 and still hitting 299 is kind of telling of, of you know, the type of April and, and most of yes. May that, that he had. Well, he, he finished off 
April hitting 415. Not sustainable for anybody. Not sustainable for for anyone. Then he hit 221 in May, which dropped him down to 311, and he does not have a hit yet here in June. So he's down to 299. On base, 353. Slug, 462. OPS of 815. If he did that all season long and just leveled out right here, everyone would be thrilled. But the problem is that no one knows where the bottom is here. Uh, Is he going to be hitting 200 by the end of June? I don't think so. I really don't. I think he's talented enough at the plate that he'll figure it out. But we're getting towards a point where you start to wonder, is he going to need a stint in the minors to crack himself out of it? I know that seems ridiculous as he still leads the team uh, in batting average and has been an enormous – and it's it's not going to be tomorrow – but if you keep going that way, it, it, it's not completely out of the question that, that that could be in his future. I'm not sure his options, if that's even possible. Well, Mo, Mo made a good point in a couple podcasts ago about how his approach was with two strikes, how he would make adjustments. He's not doing that anymore. So, And Mo made a good point just now. It's definitely, you can tell it's a mental thing. So he might need to sit a few games and maybe give our buddy Jake Lamb a couple of at-bats. I don't know. I but he, he may need a mental break. I, a, a guy that's never been through a major league slump, I'm not saying the minors, but he may need to take a series off because you can tell it is a mental thing right now as well. Jake Lamb, another bomb last night. Lamb basted right at the goose. Anybody want Jake Lamb in the lineup more now? He's hitting... One more thought on, on Mercedes. Yeah. And some of it is because he's been so hot. But, you know, I think we've talked about it. Plenty of people on social media have commented with some of the lineups, but... Larusa has seemingly been trying to protect guys like Vaughn and Madrigal for, for what, you know, I think he perceives as tough matchups or that, you know, as rookies, they have to earn it. Yermin hasn't really had much, many, many of those days off where he's been protected. So to Courtney's point, you know, a couple of days here, especially against tough, you know, right-handed pitchers might, might serve him and the team. Well, you know, they brought up Gavin Sheets, you know, give him a couple at bats, see what he can do. Hopefully we can get Andrew Vaughn back from from the uh, you know the injured list as well but i it seems like mercedes is in there every day and, and as hot as he was it made sense but but now that he's cooling off he may benefit from from a couple of days off have you guys noticed the eyes of of andrew vaughn well i mean he doesn't even look like an athlete he fascinates me he doesn't even look athletic it's it's phenomenal he looks like <laughs> you know, your guy your guy in your you know, physics class was brilliant. I, he doesn't even look like an athlete. He's a freak of nature. He never blinks. He's he's staring at you with these bug eyes, like, coming out of his head. It's like, hey, whoa, and, and, Andrew Vaughn, I see you, buddy. You are a serious dude. Now, dealing with a little bit of a COVID situation, hopefully he'll be fine and he's asymptomatic and all of that. Jake Lamb, Mo, what do you think? Game log, Jake Lamb, if you looked at it, one for three last night with a homer. He had another homer on May 29th versus the Orioles. He was two for two against the Indians the other day, so he's three for five this month. He's four for his his last seven. He's six for his last 13. And before that, he had a hit in four straight. Dude's been uh, playing some good baseball. Absolutely has. We're we're in first place because of guys like him stepping up. That didn't sound like you want him playing anymore, though. (laughs) No, listen, if, if I had my choice, we'd have Eloy and left. Luis Robert in center, and you could mix in Eaton and um, Engel in right. We, we don't have them available. So guys like Lamb have to step up, and they have. Guys like Jake Lamb, guys like Billy Hamilton. Absolutely. It, it's kind of fascinating if you think about it. I mean, are the White Sox 
just catching lightning in a bottle right now. And eventually this is all going to catch up, possibly. But ride the wave now. Why not? I'll say this. When he's at the plate and he connects and he's got that smooth-looking Jake Lamb face coming out of the batter's box, the dude is like he should be the poster child for baseball. Guys, so he's, it's, it's so attractive when he launches one into the night. I'm going to be very strong on this, Mark. We've had this discussion. Jake Lamb does nothing for me on that on that part of, of my world. I mean, and, you know, I'm, I know a good-looking man when I see one. It's not there. It's not there for me. But if you continue to stay at home runs, I'll find him very attractive. So that's fine. Mo, are you attracted yeah, I, I to Jake Lamb? I think you Lam- missed the podcast, Courtney, where um, Mark, what was the claim that he was possibly the most handsome White Sox player ever? Was that? Uh, no, 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 no. That would go to Sergio Santos, but that's for another podcast for another time. Sergio Santos. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. I like a little ethnic flair, Mark, uh, a little bit. Yeah, no. I'm going to have to look look him up again because that one doesn't come to mind right away, but I'm going oh. to look it up for next time. Huh. Get on it. What What year did Sergio Santos don the White Sox uni? He was our closer for, Jesus, a minute, probably 2008, 2009. I'm looking at a Sergio right now, war number 46. That's him. That's him. Interesting leg kick here as I'm checking him out. Sergio Santos, the best-looking White Sox of all time. That's why you listen to the Windy City White Sox podcast. Hey, can we wrap up with uh, Lucas Giolito getting kicked out of a ball game because the home plate umpire is blowing calls and telling him to go check it out, and Lucas did, and then he comes back out and – Tells the umpire that he blew it. And here's Lance Lynn's comment as he appreciates his teammate. Quote, we're all about each other, making sure no one gets the short end of the stick. Everybody's doing everything they can to make sure everybody's on point. When an umpire tells you to go look at it and you do, and then he throws you out for telling him he was wrong after he told you to look at it, that's kind of a slap in the face. He kind of brought it on himself and threw a guy out. Sometimes that happens in this game. It's unfortunate because Gio's a good dude. And he got told to go do something, and he did it, and the umpire threw him out for doing what he was told to do. Lance Lynn appreciating Gio. And then we've got Papa Gio coming out of nowhere, and Rick Giolito tweeting out that Lucas used to defend the kids on the playground that were getting bullied. So same deal. This is the same Lucas. He's been. This is everything that Lucas Giolito is. Even when he's not pitching, he's on the t- top step of the dugout sitting up there and paying attention and backing his teammates. Hashtag That's Lucas. That's why he's game one starter. And by the way, not enough love for Papa Giolito. He's, he's, he kind of rules. Rick Giolito is kind of, a, kind of the dude right there. White Sox fans were mad that Tony wasn't backing up uh, Lucas as much because he said he couldn't do this, even though he said he was just having fun at the same time, too. And I think there's a little bit of let's yell at Tony La Russa going on and not, and, and, and everybody could maybe need a little to. bit, Mark. There's, 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 <laughs> that's an understatement. There's a ton of it. So maybe, so we, we, go, we go. made this, sorry, Mark, I'm cutting you off. Uh, we made this joke a couple podcasts ago, you know, if Tony ble- breathes wrong, people are going to jump all over it. It's a little excessive at this point. Again, I'm not a Tony La Russa, complete Tony La Russa hater. The team's in first place again, you know, kicking off with the King. He's, he's not here. So I got to support it. Not everything that Tony La Russa does is wrong. And it's getting a little excessive at this point. Completely agree. I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. If you would have said at the start of the season, we'd be 34 and 22, 12 games over 500 without Eloy, Luis Robert and Engel, you'd take it. So he must be doing something right. I realize we have a lot of talent, but not everything he does is, is, is trash. 
And I'm certainly not, you know, his biggest fan, but I also think that people, you know, they hear the name Tony and it's, let's look for reasons to, to criticize. But bottom line, forget about Tony for a second. This clubhouse is getting a lot of acclaim for just being that much together. And we keep seeing it. You look yep. over there, Tim Anderson's going nuts for whoever does, you know, whenever anybody does anything. Lucas is backing up Lance Lynn, going to check the tape. Yermin and Yohan Moncada are acting like five-year-olds when uh, Moncada hits a home run, and although I did not exactly love that because I thought that Yermin was going to take off Moncada's shoulder. I don't want to be old man here, but that celebration needs to be calmed down. But they, it, this team really seems like they're enjoying themselves, which I don't know if it matters or doesn't matter, but it's fun to watch. I agree, and I think these guys really do genuinely like each other, and that plays off on the field. And I agree with you, you know, seeing the guys cheering each other on. Um, Jake Lamb got a lot of love for his home run. Billy Hamilton gets a lot of love. It's it's exciting to see them come together, even the new guys coming together. And that usually helps when it comes to a winning formula. So it's been it's been great to see. I did not pause the podcast enough for Billy Hamilton. The guy was like player of the game five times last week. Billy freaking Hamilton's making an impact, damn it. Billy the hitter. We love to see it. Billy the hitter. Billy the stolen base getter, which I know that's part of his resume that we're used to, but still, I love my favorite part of, or no, that's not true, but one of the cool things that I, you know, got from Scott Pitsednik sitting there watching the game with him, I asked him if he misses playing. And, and a lot of guys at times, like, nah, I don't miss it, you know, I miss, I miss the clubhouse. Pitsednik said, I do. I do. What, well, what do you miss the most? I, 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 not 162 games, the grind of it all, but I miss being on first base and everybody in the ballpark knowing that you're going 90 feet to second and then stealing that base. And that's kind of the that's deal. Awesome. With, isn't that awesome? That's that a great, awesome. He a looks great like he could still steal second base <laughs> nine out of 10 times too. Sure yeah. does. You know, he stole 70 for the Brewers, I think in 04 it was before he came to the Sox in 05. And this is kind of a tribute to the great base stealers, Vince Coleman, Ricky Henderson, uh, whoever you want to name, Juan Pierre, kind of a more Scott Pitsednik version of it. He said, the 70th base that I stole, I had no more to give. Like, I, there was no chance that I could steal another base all season. Like, he's like, that stealing bases was just a straight grind, which I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, Scott looks like he could still go, for sure. Does he fall under the, the good-looking White Sox players? Oh, I, no, for sure he does. For sure he does. I still think Sergio Santos is better, but, <laughs> yeah, I got to give love to Scotty Potts for sure. Mo, Scott Pitsednik or Jake Lamb, who's your one seed? Scott Pitsednik, 2005, <laughs> enough said. Mo, you can't combine their performance on the field to their looks. Oh, it, it all, I care more about their performance than, than how they look. I'm going to go with the performance. I, I got it. I got it. I got it. But Scotty Pesednik is a handsome man, though. He, there's, a, there's a certain presence to a Pesednik that just uh, all of us men would love to. Uh, well, maybe not you, Mo, but I would like to. I, I, would, I would take that upgrade just, just for the record. Uh, all right, team. White Sox. <laughs> Right, Courtney? You got to... Fully agreed. <laughs> I'm done. The Lakers championship window closes last night. How do you see it? I don't see it closing. I don't see it, uh, I don't see it as closing. I see it as closed. It's over. 
He's 37. He'll be 37 in his 19th year in the NBA. Have you seen who's playing around this league and what the hell they're doing? How the hell are you going to sit up there and rely on that? It is the first first-round series that LeBron James has lost in his career. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. Called strike three, bottom of the zone, or thereabouts, and the eighth strikeout for the Sox hitters. Adam did not appreciate the call. Called strike three, the bottom of the zone has dropped out. Yeah, Moncada's right. That was not strike three, but it was strike three. Somebody just got ejected from the Sox dugout in a 4-1 lead in the ninth inning. Will Little said unbelievable. Was it Lucas who got the heave-ho? Let's see. Lucas is barking at Will Little. Tony Larusa comes out of the dugout. Was it Lucas Giolito got the got thrown out of the ball game? Well, he has one of those looks on his face like, okay, maybe I'll get thrown out of my first game ever. Did the good kid just get thrown out of class? He appears to be the guy. Good for you, Lucas. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 